Doctors take Field of Greens for their own health. Here's Dr. Ryan Green to explain. We're like you, too much fast food, not enough exercise. That's why I take Field of Greens. The fruits and vegetables in Field of Greens support my heart, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism for weight loss. And Field of Greens promises your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. Get 15% off with promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. That's promo code HEALTH at fieldofgreens.com. Product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 811 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm unsure because I didn't write it down before we started, but I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly Brittany Page, as I always am, and very special in-studio guest, Alyssa Fader from risingorganizers.org, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation. Thank you for being here, Alyssa. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for having me. So, this has been, um, it's perfect timing to have you in studio because we've, we've wanted to have you in for, for months now, but because of our bout with COVID, and then I think you got, I did get, you got I it too. COVID, yes. I don't want to out anybody. <laughs> it's okay. I'm healed now, which is what matters. Um, and then with the, the impending collapse of our Republic mm-hmm. through the overturning of Roe and this monstrous and illegitimate Supreme Court, we, it's good that we, that all the COVID happened. Maybe it was fate mm. that we all contracted a, 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 a insidious disease. So we could really stew in this moment and work through it together. Well, because if we'd show. done it earlier, no one would be as impassioned as they are now mm. about everything that's going on. That's true. I yeah. mean, it's like you, when we first moved here to DC, you would walk through the city and just sometimes just start crying because you knew what was coming about row about row. Yeah. And you're like, everybody's just going about their day. Like nothing's changed. Like everything's the same and it's not. Yeah. And now people, because it happened are like, Oh fuck, this is serious. Yeah. And we've been talking about it for months, especially in the last couple of weeks about how to organize people talk about, they use that phrase, but it's kind of nebulous. It doesn't really mean anything to a lot of people. And we have Alyssa here to elucidate, yeah. to to give some definition to it, and to to really spark, I hope, in the audience exactly how to organize. Before we get into that, though, let's just talk about you. What like what kind it. of got you into politics? What what got you involved? Sure. So thanks for having me. First yeah. of all, love to be here. And that um, was my overpowering monologue. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I'm usually the one who does the overpowering monologue, so it's actually nice to hand off the baton to someone else. Yeah, thank once. you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what brought me into politics? I have been working in politics for around 10 years now. I thought that I wanted to get my PhD in political science for most of my time in college, which was when I became particularly politically active. And 
Instead, came back from grad school the day after my plane landed. I started on the Obama campaign, Hmm. which happened, frankly, because I was 22 years old and I didn't know what to do and I'd heard of this thing. And so I showed up at the Obama campaign, fell in love with organizing. I was in Pennsylvania in a swing district. And while I was there, started to explore what other organizing opportunities might look like and what organizing actually means. Yeah, yeah. And so I started as an organizer with an organization called J Street U, which organizes students around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I was their first organizer in the Midwest region, moved over to be their organizer in the Southeast region, and then became a lobbyist with them. Turns out lobbying, not for me. We can talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) But around three seconds after I realized that lobbying was not for me, Trump got elected. Mm. And I, like everyone else in the progressive world, panicked. And I worked with some of my friends to put on this training called Organizing for Non-Organizers thinking that 25 people would show up, I would feel better about my day, and I would feel like I contributed to this moment of crisis, in this moment of crisis. And instead, 200 people showed up, and then 150 people showed up, and they just kept coming. And so it became really clear that there were very few, if not no, organizations, people working on explaining what the hell this organizing thing actually Mm -hmm. is and how to do it well, Mm. especially to people who are new. And so we have effectively taken on that mantle. That is how we got here. Mm -hmm. Rising Organizers was an all-volunteer operation, including myself, for the last five and a half years. Um, Five five months ago, it finally became my full-time job. And in the intermediary, I've been a trainer across all sorts of avenues of democratic politics. So I was the deputy training director at Priorities USA, which is the largest Democratic super PAC. And I was um, the training director at Emily's List for two and a half years, where I created their fellowship program, redid their basically their entire training library, and am now excited to be able to bring all that institutional knowledge to progressive organizing work. Let's go back in time. I wish I had a sound <laughs> effect. Um, you can record that. And then it because can be I'm, I'm a, a former Republican, mm. former... Um, fundamentalist, evangelical, psychotic flavor of Christianity, Christian. Mm. And, I mean, my story is is really one of extricating myself from kind of a cult mentality. What brought you to the impassioned view and active view of, of politics that you have? Sure. So I also was raised by Republicans. I was not. I was raised by um, conservative Jews rather than conservative Christians. Mm-hmm. But was very. Um, most American Jews are Democrats, progressives, liberals in some capacity. There's a small percentage that are not, and that's just the group that I grew up with, both in, in school and my my parents. My uh, my dad remains a fairly right extremely right-wing person to this day. My mom has seen... Is that wishful thinking, the fairly? Starting with fairly rather than extremely? Honestly, I was debating how severe I wanted to be with him, and then I remembered that he's never going to listen to this, so it doesn't (laughs) actually matter. Because my parents, my mom was a Trump delegate in Cleveland in 2016. They are 
Like, if you go on my mom's Facebook page, it is goddamn nutty as fuck. I'm well, sure. everything is, like, blurred out because it's been fact-checked. Yeah, oh, no, it's exactly so right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like, this has anything. been fact-checked, this yeah. is wrong. That is so funny. Thankfully, my dad is not on social media. It is the saving grace of my life, um, which has protected me from some of his more bonkers ideas. But he's a big Trump donor, mm-hmm. lo- just loves the man has all sorts of conspiracy theories cooking. My mother, bless her heart, has seen the light and is a, a nice moderate. Um, so she, 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 she has uh, me talking in one ear and him talking in the other ear, and she tells me it makes her crazy, but I don't care. Because um, that's how the work gets done. Yeah, so, so you were raised so, yeah. that, and then you went to school, you went to college, yeah. and is, was that kind of the exodus? So basically what happened was while I was a – Republican. I was I was very invested in human rights, in making sure people had access to abortion, in making sure yeah. that people were protected. So I, I like to say that I was always a really bad Republican, but I had been raised to believe that progressives and Democrats were stupid. And I didn't mm. think I was stupid. And so I just didn't yeah. go that way. And then when I was in high school, I started identifying as libertarian because I saw the way the Republican Party was turning against um, LGBT people in really disgusting ways and when I got to college that was sort of the final nail in the coffin I started uh, I like to joke that I'm the conservative movement's imagined worst nightmare because I went to college libertarian read did vote for John McCain and walked out as like a women's studies major leftist Mm. which is everything that they fear happening yeah, right yeah. now. But I think I've done pretty well for myself. You, you are a Fox News narrative, 100%, a talking point. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, and now I'm like one of the top political trainers in democratic politics. So as you can imagine, my father is very disappointed in me. But I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that's interesting. It's, it, 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 do you find that your, your particular path, your, your path out and your, your past, do you find that it... Um, has invigorated you because you know the other yeah. side. You know what they're capable of believing, and you know that uh, I don't want to answer the question for you. And you know that without your efforts, we're, we're witnessing the fruit of of their fifty years of labor on row. They're ready to to put, do the long work, and if, if if not for people like you, we're fucked. Right? Yeah. I th- I I think. There are, as you know, there are a lot of emotional challenges that come with pulling yourself out of a framework that is really damaging to yourself and other people. And also, nothing has been better for teaching me about power, which we can talk about what I mean by that, than being raised as a Republican. When I became progressive, which was a very weird semester in 2009, I found myself suddenly explaining to my liberal friends that there was something they could actually do about the problems in the world, which they had never thought of before because, at least for them, they had no conception of of power or how to change power dynamics or how to fight for the things that they really cared about. And that was partially because we lived in this, like, golden age of Obama at the time, or that's how many of us saw it, and partially because Republicans are obsessed with power. They are constantly working on cultivating it. They have spent 40, 50 years getting us to this exact week, Mm -hmm. to this day. Yeah, that's true. And in my experience, Democrats have a pretty short-term view. And so growing up as a Republican was really important for both my understanding of politics and also for thinking about how to teach other people how to do politics well. 
because we have to think long-term. We have to think about the next 10, 20, 30 years because that's the kind of time horizon that we're going to have to live through. That's the kind of time horizon we're going to have to organize for. And so really growing up as a Republican taught me all of that so well and has made me believe everything Republicans say when they say it. They have told us what they're going to do and we have to believe them. And that I think is one of the great challenges. And if we do this organizing thing right, one of the great opportunities that lays ahead of us. I think the one real life example that comes to mind for me when you look at the difference between the left and the right in terms of power and organization is we were in front of the Supreme Court the day uh, after the leaked opinion came out, Alito's leaked opinion. Because it dropped that evening. Yeah, it dropped that evening. We were there the next morning and there were already protesters there. But the protesters that you could hear from blocks away were the anti-choice protesters. You could hear them because they had already set up a podium, they had a microphone, they had a panel of speakers lined up to talk, they had the megaphones, they had all their chants going, and then you compared that to the left, and it was just disorganization. I mean, there were very few people kind of wandering around, not really knowing, trying to gather some signs. Not to even be snarky, I I don't think that even calling it disorganization, that gives it some level of organization, and there was fucking none of that. And it was really a bummer to mm-hmm. see that because you 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 saw just right in front of you how mobilized the right, right is and how prepared they are for these moments. Right. And that juxtaposition was really striking right. that day. And then we've witnessed in the in the in the aftermath of the not just the leak, but then the actual decision coming out. I mean, th- how much time did we have between the leak and the actual decision dropping? Mm-hmm. And just yesterday, Biden signed some right. fucking feckless, powerless, meaningless executive order that's going to do nothing. There's still no vote. The Democrats aren't holding their own accountable. It is, I understand why people get bummed in the audience and like, but it's going to have to be you talking to the audience. It's going to have to be you because Joe Biden's not going to do it. Nancy Pelosi sure as fuck isn't going to do it. And Chuck Schumer is also sitting on his hands. Sorry if this is a... a little too radical no, for no, you. Not at all. I'm 100% agreement with everything that you're saying. Uh, I, I always say it, it's not my job to elect Democrats. It is my job to make a more progressive world. Yes. So you can say whatever it is. I no, love that. It's I good. Love that. We're just, I'm, I, I, I say this all the time that if this moment doesn't radicalize you, then there's no moment that will. And we will, we should just cede power to the Republican Party for 100 years. Mm-hmm. Because if they do take power, it's not just on abortion. It's not just on contraception. It's on voting rights. And that's going to be the way that they steal like right. they've been trying to do for 40 years. Right. And let's talk about this protest example because I think it illuminates a couple of important things about organizing. The first is that the right is always prepared. And they have things going for them that we are not going to be able to replicate. They are pretty monolithic in terms of their identities. They share a lot of politics. They have... Uh, one very exp- several very expensive news channels that, f- that feed them this information. Yeah. All of that is stuff they have going for them that we don't. But that is really it. We have the people. Mm. Every poll yeah. you take a look at says that people support us on abortion. And I also want to say that this moment with Roe, to your point, Jesse, is really a- highlighting what have been longstanding problems in American politics. Problems that 
particularly people of color, particularly black people, have been experiencing for decades as they've watched their voting rights, for example, be pulled back. So on the one hand, part of the problem you're identifying is that the right was ready to go because Mm -hmm. they are so hyper-organized, and they're hyper-organized locally. So it's really easy for them to pull folks together really quickly. Yeah. The other problem that that we are all experiencing is that the primary way that most of us understand how to participate in politics is by voting Mm -hmm. or, when we're mad, protesting. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, but it's not enough. And the work of organizing, the work that I do, is about figuring out how do we build a long-term plan in which voting is part of the puzzle and protests are part of the puzzle. But there's a whole other array of tactics that we need to take if we want to preserve the republic, let alone actually make this the kind of democracy that we deserve. We've never seen an actually true, just, and equitable democracy in this country. We have the ability to build that, Mm -hmm. but that's only going to happen through organizing, and it's only going to happen through stopping this relentless onslaught of right-wing nonsense. So it's both that they are ready, and it's that we need to be we need to have such a wide library of tactics that we cannot be ignored. So what what is organizing? If you just have to explain it to someone who's like not well versed in this. Explain it to a dumb yes, fuck like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So um, I'll push back on the dumb fuck um, just because I simply have to. He doesn't um, need to be coddled. Don't I, worry. That's fair. It's fair. But My I, head fills this fucking room. So. I understand. So, uh, yours and mine are vying for attention and I, I'm absolutely with you on that, but it is my job to help bring people into the movement. So I, I like to be gentle. Um, okay. So organizing. Organizing is bringing people together to change and shape power. That's it. And that's still big and esoteric. We're going to spend more time on that. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by power, for example? Power is the ability to act and achieve purpose. That is Martin Luther King's definition. It's not mine. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) But those are the definitions. What it means in practice is bringing folks together with a shared vision of usually a particular issue, but it can be something bigger like American democracy, and creating a long-term strategy that incorporates relational organizing, relationship building, mass mobilization, research meetings, petitions, sit-ins, feedback, leadership development, this whole wheel of organizing that takes a long time to get done well. And that's really frustrating right now because in a lot of ways, we've already lost. And next year, the Supreme Court is going to be taking up this decision, Moore versus Harper. Yeah, North Carolina. Right, which is going to basically pass all of our elections back to state legislatures in a way that will probably allow for Republicans to overturn elections. And that's something we need to start preparing for now. And you cannot vote your way out of that problem. Mm-hmm. You need to have an organizing strategy that turns people out, is consistent in getting people out, and is able to apply enough public pressure to actually create change. That is the only thing that solves that problem. And I'm not just saying that because I love organizing. I'm saying that because I studied the fall of the Soviet Union, and that is how you defeat authoritarian regimes. You turn out people for months. 
for months on end. And yeah. we need to build up both the skills and the people, but also the stamina to do this for a long time. What can be done relative to organizing to influence our Nancy Pelosi's sure. and Chuck Schumer's and other sitting on their hands individuals? I know Merrick Garland is kind of out of the scope of public influence, but... I don't think he is. We are... What we're witnessing is being... Treated as though it's politics as usual. Joe Biden still talks about things as though, oh, well, ugh, the filibuster is too important. We can't. Ugh. When when he's not using the bully pulpit as a bully pulpit, he's be calling for, I demand, I'm calling for this, rather than I support this or that. Right. So what do we do? So I'm glad you brought this up because one of the things that organizing does is, yes, it fights back against bad things. But the other thing that organizing can do is set priorities for the people in power. I agree that how long it took any response to come out of this administration is disgusting. And the way that no one had a, seems to have had a plan for something that we knew was coming yeah. is disgusting. No one should have been fucking surprised no by this. No one should have been fucking surprised yeah. by this. Yeah. And also, the, re, the reason we have anything is because people put public pressure on. Yes. In retrospect, we should have known that we are dealing with a pretty conservative set of folks in terms of the way they think of their jobs. And we should have been out in the streets protesting, lobbying, calling for the things that we are now calling for as soon as the decision dropped. That's what we should have been doing. But what we're seeing now is the effect of public pressure starting to work. So it's not enough, and that's why we keep going. I think something that is really challenging for progressives is that we want we know that we're right, and we I think the three of us around this table have gone through enough changes in politics to feel pretty certain about how correct we are in the world, and we want things to happen really quickly, and it's just not going to happen. And I'm I'm I hate saying that because people are going to die, a lot of people yeah. are going to be imprisoned, violence is going to happen here, and that is a nightmare. I mean, that is the kind of world that I don't want to live in. Mm -hmm. And yet, we have to be realistic about what our future looks like. And the best thing that we can do is prepare for it by organizing and building mutual aid systems and making sure that we have the ability to demonstrate that we have the people. We don't have a people problem. We have a power problem. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing we need to change. It seems to me that, it, that, that the organizing should have been the first resort, should have been something that's been it really poured a lot of resources into over the course of the last decades. Yeah. Because at this point, it is a last resort. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, in Paris, if grocery prices get too high, the right. fucking cars are being burnt in the street. Right. That's the next step for us in this country. If we don't capitalize on this very moment right now right. and lean ourselves to people like you to train us to help us avoid hundreds of cars burning in the street because people are just, there's no other option but violence or... Uh, an uprising. Right. So that's, that is exactly right. And we're, at Rising Organizers, we're trying to get this message of organizing and how you can apply these skills and strategies locally all the time. One of the other problems that I think has come up right now is that most of our big establishment institutions on the center left, the left, whatever you want to call it, have a really advocacy-based strategy, which means I'm going to make the better argument. And the better argument does not work because, again, the other side cares about power 
and we care about being right. Yeah. And that is how you lose. They don't mind talking about culture war bullshit 24-7 nonstop because right. it works. Right. And that isn't to say we have to to stoop to their level because, again, we have the people. What we have is an organization problem. We have people who say, who see something terrible happen and say, how do I get involved? And there's nowhere for them to really start. And that's what we're trying to be. And we're new. We're small. We need a lot more money. But ideally, in the ideal world, we're able to be that clearinghouse for people. We're able to have people sign up and say, I need someone to spend 20 minutes with me and figure out how I can actually get engaged and involved. I need someone to help me figure out how my organization that I run can better absorb these volunteers and these activists to make sure that I am building power all the time. That is what we're trying to do. So here, here, not to, no pressure. Please. Alyssa. Oh, dear. <laughs> But here, here's an opportunity for you to talk to tens of thousands of people. Hi, people. And uh, recruit, right? Okay. I mean, what would you say to people out there who are champing at the bit to get involved and just don't know what the fuck to do, where to start? What would you say to them? The thing that I would say is, first of all, I'm obliged to say that we are a resource. Rising Organizers is going to be running a series of trainings on abortion, democracy, organizing over the course of July and August. Are, are these web-based or they, they are have to be in-person in D.C.? They are all virtual. Okay. We do have some D.C. programming in the fall, which I'll talk about in a second now that you've reminded me. And um, people should go to our website, sign up for the email list, and come to those trainings. So those are going to be an Organizing 101 training teaches you the basics of everything we've talked about here. We're going to have a panel on organizing and abortion and the relationship between the two, which is going to include, um, hopefully, Heather Booth, who is uh, one of the founders of the Jane Collective. There's a documentary about them on HBO. It's she's, awesome. You should watch it if you have not watched it. Fantastic. She's the best, and it's a, we're so excited to have her and other folks who are doing work at this intersection. We're going to do some homework because we believe in learning about the work that we're doing, about how to take action strategically, and then we're going to have an actions training. And that training is going to talk about not just how do you do a protest well, but also how do you have your protest be not the point of what you're trying to do, but one step in what you're trying yeah. to do. So the first step I'm, I have to recommend is that they come hang out with us. We're fun. The other thing that I would say in terms of starting locally is to get as local as possible. A lot of folks right now are turning to national organizations for help and support. And I think that's a good thing. But it can't come at the cost of supporting local work because that is where power and politics is happening now. Power and politics are happening in state legislatures. They are happening at school boards. They are happening basically down the street from you. And so... It's also where the impact is felt most immediately. Right. And so making sure that you are investing locally, whether that is giving to your local abortion fund or signing up for um, your local... There's lots of different types of organizing groups that happen locally, and they're sometimes hard to find, but if you Google them, you will find them, I promise. Just take some time. And if not, you can email us at info at risingorganizers.org, and I will find it for you. Um, so anyway, the, that, those are the two things that I would do, is I would study up, and we'll teach you how to build community where you are, and I would figure out who's already doing the work. Because again, 
we don't, we're not here to reinvent the wheel. I think there's a lot of really good organizing happening right now. I just want to make it easier for people to get involved and stay involved. What would you say, I mean, dealing with reality on reality's terms, which mm-hmm. is something that we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we try to. I mean, we endeavor. We try. We, try. <laughs> uh, we get a lot of listener communication, people mm-hmm. feeling really hopeless, mm-hmm. feeling like they can't do anything in this moment, sure. uh, feeling concerned about whether or not their individual action will make a difference. What would you say to people out there that are listening to this, feeling particularly hopeless about the moment that we're in? I just had a conversation with a client of ours earlier about this, so I'm glad that you raised it. On the one hand, I totally get it. I mean, let's be honest. We have to get it. Yeah. We are going up against 40 years of organizing and money and power, and we're looking into the barrel of a future that is unrecognizable for a lot of us. And to me, it's a question of, the choices in front of us. I have two choices. We have two choices. On the one hand, this is all going to go to hell. The other side is going to keep organizing. They're going to keep doing their work. And that's just going to happen. And then on the other hand, we get to try to fight back. And those are the only two options. You either let them do what they want or you try. Mm -hmm. And that is... Sometimes not enough. For me, sometimes it's not enough. And I'm, this is the only thing that I do. But the thing I always remind myself is every major social change in this country has come from organizing. Every right you can think of has come through organizing. There's probably some, I'm probably a fact checker out there who's going to get me right on that one. But civil, civil rights, voting rights, gay marriage, women's right to vote, all of those are organizing. Mm -hmm. And the thing I always say is that we don't know if organizing is always going to work, but it is the only thing that does. And so if you want to do more than be scared, this is the option for you. There is no other option. And it's okay to have days, I have them too, where you just can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And days where it is hard. And that's why it's a movement, because we're doing it together. But those are the choices in front of you. Mm-hmm. Wait or fight. And that's it. I think there's some utility also in, you know, we've been talking about, last episode especially, we had some voicemails from people who were um, combating hopelessness. Jessica, also the anonymous caller. And... um Part of organizing, I think that there's a there's an there's another element to it that's going to be beneficial for the audience if you do get involved, and that is the community. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have people to lean on. Right. You know, one of the things that that Brittany and I talked about last episode was finding support within the community when you do have those days where right. you just can't fucking do it. You have no more energy, and you just want to you you want to turn off the TV, log off Twitter, and just right go away. Right. And I think the, the organizing from that perspective, you're going to be around like-minded people who are also passionate about this, who will give you that shoulder to cry on or or lift you up when you need it is, is also an element to this that uh, is important. Yeah, and that's what part of what we teach in, in our various trainings. We have a whole bunch of programs. One of the things that- It's like I'm teaching one of your classes. I know, I've never even taken one. That's great. I love it. No, I mean, sometimes organizing is just giving the name to something that's pretty intuitive for other people, honestly. But one of the things that we teach folks is that 
people often enter a space because they care about an issue. They come to a protest because they care about what is happening. And that care is genuine. But because it's not connected to a relationship in the movement, because it's not connected to a longer-term strategy, that is how people don't know where to keep going or get burned out on protests, which happened to most of us in 2017, 18. Yes. That's why the relationship-building component of organizing is special. And it means that you can... Just take a break. It's okay. I mean, I think that we all care so much about the world around us, as well we should, that we think we have to do everything ourselves. And we just don't. And if you try, you're going to fail. And the movement needs you far more than your guilt does. So if you need a break, take a break, and then get back into relationship with people who are going to help you feel powerful at a time when we all feel really powerless. That's the magic of all of this. Yeah. I think it's important also, Dan, I'll I'll reiterate something that we've been saying over the course of the last weeks, that to fail to organize, to choose to not do this, is surrender. It's just what it is. Republicans are winning, and they're out of power. If you give these fucking people power, what do you think is going to happen? It's like when we talk about packing the court or whatever, and like, whoa, if we get rid of the filibuster, then Republicans, they won't have a filibuster. They're already accomplishing all of their goals and more with with the filibuster in place and not even having the power of the majority. You are correct. So anyway, it is uh, it's imperative for you out there if you if unless you think I'm not telling the the truth. If you don't think that the Republicans are going to win this, if you don't think that that uh, we are facing a dystopic, without a doubt, movie style bullshit going on in this country. You have to get involved for the sake of yourselves and your children and your grandchildren and their children. It is it's more more important than than anything that's ever faced you in your life. Alyssa, what is your focus right now? Like what what are some of the things that are most prominent for you? Because you talked about setting priorities is an important part of organizing. What are some of the priorities for you? The priority for us right now is seeing this moment as a flashpoint to highlight some of the deeper problems in American democracy. We know that earlier this year, the Supreme Court overturned state-based gun restrictions. We know that in, was it 2013, they overturned a lot of the Voting Rights Act. We know that this has been going on for a long time, and those of us who have had enough power and privilege to be able to ignore it have largely done so. But what has happened around the abortion decision is that it is activating people around this longstanding problem. So we're thinking about, okay, now you're here. You're in the movement. We love you. How do we keep you and how do we use this as a moment to further radicalize you to keep you more and more involved? Mm -hmm. Um, So that is the main question that is in front of us is how do we use this as a moment to really talk about how our suite of tactics on the left is too limited. We need to get bigger and bolder and more strategic with the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then we build from there. You know, the the joy of my job is that I get to help people build power where they are every day. And there's always somebody in your community already doing the work. That is always going to be the case. And it's my job to help you find them. And that is really fucking cool. Are you seeing um, a peak, a rise in 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 people reaching out, in, in enrollment for your, the classes? 
I honestly don't know yet because we haven't launched this. Right. We've been preparing for this program. We haven't launched it yet. So I'm hoping that we'll get a lot of people. We usually get pretty big bursts of folks after moments of crisis like this. After the airport protests in 2017, um, when Trump tried to institute the first Muslim ban, yeah. we had um, like 3,000 people interested in our training on Facebook. So that's the kind, that was obviously a very big flashpoint moment and a flashpoint time. Mm -hmm. But in general, I find that people are ready to go and looking for a place to plug in in these moments of crisis. I think that also kind of speaks to the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Where people are kind of getting energized and mobilized when the thing is happening or when right. it has already happened. And then you kind of see like a drop off right. when there's nothing really to stress about. But we should maybe be at like a stressful point in time, like all the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Feel yeah. that stress to motivate us It's a like when bit. you're in a national forest and they have the fire danger with the Smokey the Bear. Yeah. We're beyond fucking red. It's, it's <laughs> extreme danger right now. Yeah. Right. And that's movement work. What yeah. you're describing yeah. is figuring out how to take folks when they are most engaged and keep them. And that's really hard. It's hard mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons which we don't even have the time to get into. But that's the key to all of this is keeping folks involved in the work as they go over time through organizing. Yeah. So you think the, the like right now, just as a, the audience who's there and they're going to pause the podcast after I give them this web address to go <laughs> to go to risingorganizers.org and there's a link at the top of the page that says join us. Uh-huh. That would be a very the very first step in a journey toward taking back our country. Correct. Typing in their email address and then having you having themselves on an email list to, hey, look, we're going to start this program. We want you involved. Correct. So there's a couple of ways to take action on the website. The first is that one, to join the email list. That's the best way to get information about all of our programs. We also have a social media presence. We will share things there, um, but our email list is really the best way to do it. The other thing, frankly, is to donate to the organization because we are really small and we are, I'm the only staff member, and we're trying basically to change the way American politics is done, which is a crazy thing to say. Yeah. It's a crazy thing to say. And yet I keep coming back to it because the way that we do politics here is, especially in, on, in like the center left and the left is based around an understanding of our norms and systems working in a way they no longer do. Mm. And so I have, and my team, I have a volunteer team, they're amazing. We have to become basically proselytizers for this strategy and for this tactic. And we can't reach the people that we need to reach, which is certainly all of your listeners, but even more so are the people who don't even have the energy to listen to this podcast. Yeah. The people who care, but they they don't even think there's anything they can do. The only way we're going to reach those people is if we have the financial resources to do it. And so, you know, I, I know that on the left, we don't like talking about money power, but that's the kind of work we need to do. We need to be investing in organizing, not just us, but anywhere you can find it, true grassroots work that keeps people in the work for a long time and does it well. Yeah, it's important. I, listen, we've been we've been um, complaining since the road dro uh, decision dropped about Nancy Pelosi Nancy Pelosi asking for her fourteen dollars so mm -hmm. she can finally do something, right? As though she hasn't had decades to to 
in in a in a preparation for this moment. But money, you're right. There is kind of a distaste talk, talking about it. But when we're up against the the quarter of a billion dollars that Donald Trump raised after the election because of his election defense fund that didn't right. exist, we're behind. Right, we're behind. And it's not just it's not just political money. I think that people were right to be mad at Nancy Pelosi and other electeds that were trying to fundraise after the Roe decision because this is their responsibility and their job and they should just do it. For grassroots organizations, abortion funds, folks who are doing organizing on the ground, it's just a different calculus because they're trying to amass the kind of power to be able to do something in mm-hmm. the first place. Um, so I think I, I don't think it's wrong for folks to have felt that distaste. Um, from elected officials who should already be doing their jobs. I think that we can think about money power in lots of different ways. Well, I mean, to, not to beat the dead horse about the Pelosi money, no, but there are there are there are politicians out there, and, and you know well, you know AOC and both Elizabeth Warren both mm-hmm. sent out emails soliciting money for mutual aid and right. abortion groups, not for themselves. And right. those are the types of politicians we need to be supporting with our money, not legacy right. dynastic politicians. Politicians who, who campaign for pro-life Democratic yeah. candidates in Texas. Right, right. right. For example. For example. Nancy <laughs> Pelosi. Um, Alyssa, I'm, I'm curious about your take on one thing I see a lot within the Democratic Party, people on the left, is they will talk about how Democrats are always, quote unquote, eating their own and mm-hmm. that this is a problem that Democrats uniquely have and that it's something that they should stop doing because it's a problem. I'm wondering if you see it that way. Do you see that as a hindrance to building power? Uh, when we criticize Nancy Pelosi, for example, is that hindering us from building power in the Democratic Party? I don't think it's hindering us from building power. I also will rephrase that to say that, again, my job is not to elect Democrats. So my job is to build a more just future. And that means criticizing Nancy Pelosi, because as we've seen from the way that Joe Biden reacted to public pressure, putting out this executive order, criticizing the folks who have power in this moment, no matter where they sit and what what side of the aisle they're on or what have you, is really important for setting their priorities. Okay, so just as kind of a refresher for people as we kind of uh, move toward wrapping up here, uh, how can people connect with rising organizers? How can they connect with you? How can they get more involved? Great question. So the best way to do it is to visit our website, which is risingorganizers.org. There, you can join our email list there. You can donate there. You can also find us on Twitter at Rising Organizer Singular. That is just because of character limits. And rising organizer. Yes. At rising organizer. Yes. Okay. Just the one. Yeah, even yeah. though we're a collective. <laughs> um, and rising organizers on Twitter, on uh, Instagram and Facebook and, and what have and you. And what's your, what's your Twitter? My personal Twitter is at Alyssa Fader. It's E-L-Y-S-S-A-F as in Frank, E-D as in dog, E-R. So almost like Fetter or Feeder, but it's Fader. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. I just like making things a little bit more complicated for people. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Well, we're also going to put it in the show notes so Perfect. everybody can just all click of these, on it. All of these links, all of these things, it'll be on the website. If you listen, if you're if you're that one person who streams the show through the website, uh, all this will be there as well. Also in your podcatcher. Um, the other thing, we'll fi- we'll finish with this. 
We, we have a question because we are so dedicated to the prospect of uh, changing our minds when the facts change or when our understanding of those facts change. Uh, we like to ask people this question. I hate to put you on the spot, but what was the last thing, the most recent thing that you changed your mind about? And it doesn't have to be about politics. No, no, anything. Okay. The most recent thing I changed my mind about was a pastry, which is I got a black sesame bread bun from a Japanese-French fusion bakery on Connecticut. Uh-oh. Brittany's, <laughs> all right, I see your what's, ears What's tingling. it called? It's called Saku Saku Flakery. Okay. It's Uh-oh. kind of a hole-in-the-wall place, but it's delightful. There's a lovely little cafe in the back you can sit in. I love lovely little cafes. So now we know where we're going after we turn the mics off. <laughs> we know where we're going. This is free promotion. I'm not being paid in buns. Anyway, so I had this um, this black sesame bun and I thought that I wouldn't like it because I usually don't like sesame flavored things and it was amazing. Ooh. So that has made me rethink my entire relationship with sesame as a seasoning. Okay. So you're going to revisit it. Yes. I think it might be a special, but I will be revisiting it. That is, uh, th- that's touching on multiple notes for you. <laughs> it is. So I love sesame. We and use sesame goods. oil in a lot yeah, of things yeah, yeah. when we cook. So, But also baked goods. I love baked goods. And we love changing our minds about shit. We love changing our minds too. <laughs> that is correct. And carbs. <laughs> I love carbs. We all love yeah, carbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fun. We go out to brunch. Where were we? Was it Laguna Hills or Laguna Beach? And I ordered biscuits and gravy. And then I ordered with a side of sourdough toast. And she's like, oh, you're going to carve it up. Yeah. Just like, leave me alone. Let me live my life, Don't lady. need commentary on my order. I'm kidding. Yeah. That's a nightmare. So anyway, <laughs> Alyssa, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing the work you do. Thank you. Um, I, I think people who dedicate their 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 time and their 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 treasure and their sweat and their tears into something that is so uh, remarkably important is is admirable, obviously. So I'm not going to call you a hero. Please don't. You're no Cassidy Hutchinson, <laughs> but, they- but uh, <laughs> uh, we definitely appreciate you coming in. I would I would encourage everybody to to get involved in this. Go to risingorganizers.org and see what you can do. You're gonna you're gonna be able to learn uh, a skill set that you can bring home to your own community and start making a difference in the world to beat back the rising tide of power of the Republican Party and these fucking fascistic monsters who will stop at nothing to roll back civil rights and human rights and women's reproductive rights. I mean, it, all of it. And I think anybody who listens to the show and has listened for any time at all knows that. So uh, thank you, Alyssa. We appreciate you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for Brittany. Thanks uh, for coming in today. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much. Uh, as always, we are a listener-supported show, so you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast, pick your tier, see what's involved in becoming uh, a supporter and producer of what we do. We love you. We'll see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, Alyssa Fader, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.